Joel. Hi, Glenn. Thanks for welcoming me to your podcast. Thank you for being here in my spare bedroom and being a part of a podcast. I love you, brother Glenn. I know. I love you too, Joel, a lot. Uh, thank and you. I trust you. And that's a thing, you know, we discover in life people, men and women, that we can and we can't trust. And I that's agree. a really good feeling to know people have your back and they're sincere about it. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Friends uh, and family. Yeah. We're naked apes and we make flapping noises with our mouth and, uh, in a few languages, too. Yeah, I, I don't like the bullshitters. And, um... You gotta go with your gut, like we were saying earlier. And, uh, you know... First time I ever met you, I've probably told you a couple times, I just saw you standing at a, at a fire at a drum circle in Philly. What do they call that again? The Kelly Street? Uh, the Philadelphia Drum Circle. Kelly Street? Um, now that one was at the Rock Garden, maybe? It's near the old uh, train tracks, the, the, the abandoned um, old line, and then that, the new train tra- does go by there. Sure, that is upstairs at the uh, uh, Japanese rock garden in Philadelphia, and all of those big rock walls and the stairs that go up and everything was built uh, for the Civil War, and the North and the South were at war, and the North stored their munitions and their explosives and there and they also had a gun placement uh, focusing downriver at on the Schuylkill River right there so that if the south tried to come up with their ships and do stuff uh, there was you know they could fight them off but uh, what you think the logic was like it's close to the river and it's up high so like if there's a fire or something in the city like it's probably safe here and we can get water to put it out so. maybe I hadn't thought of that it's just like here's high ground uh, in Fairmount Park now uh, high ground where we can build these defensible uh, place where we'll store all of our weapons and if the south tries to come up they would be not marching up but probably some ships would come up or something like that and uh, do so a do raid. That, so do you think that like abandoned stairway that goes up to it, like do you think that was, that, that wasn't That, that was old. part of it. Yeah, is that old? Oh it's yeah, it is. It's a, it's a matter of history. And if you as you go up the stairs, they have these little skinny windows where the riflemen could lean out the window if people were running across the field. And uh, I don't believe, I don't know if it was ever used. Whenever I went with Camilla, I would stick a candle and some incense in those narrow windows. Right on. Um, the police threw the drum circle out of there one year um, uh, when my daughter was in high school uh, because it was just a party going on downstairs. But what really irked the police is somebody had come with spray paint and did ghetto tagging on the, the rocks on this historical stuff. And so they threw everybody out, so then the drum circle met secretly in other places in Fairmount Park for years, and we've come back there consistently um, <clears throat> to drum upstairs. And uh, it's also um, a homeless encampment further up on the hill 
One year, there was like eight different families living up there in the middle of winter. I remember one encampment when I was there when I saw you. It was like a big blue tarp to keep the rain over the, over, over the tent. And then there was also like a, a, a BMX-style like bike right. trails. In, the, in a couple of the... Uh, when, when we left there at some point, then a BMX uh, teen crowd came in and uh, messed with some of the fire pits and moved dirt and made big hills to jump over and stuff like that. But uh, they haven't been back since they probably aged out of being BMXers, that, that group of kids. It's a magical little natural spot in yeah. a city that's like a pretty old U.S. city. Every Tuesday night at 10 o'clock, and it starts the drum circle. We've tried to get it to start earlier for years, and it just doesn't bring critical mass till about 10.01. And then it's over by like 1 in the morning, and people hang out a little bit. People that have jobs will go home at midnight, and... Uh, continue on that way. Some people stay there that are homeless. It's pretty beautiful. Every time I ever went there, it was never messed with by the police or any bullshit. Yeah, I, I have been there when the police did come. Um, but they weren't locking people up, were they? They were just like, get out of here. Something like that, or you got to put the fire out. Or um, We've had a few spots where the cops came. Once we were deep in Fairmount Park off deep in the woods on the side of the uh, Frisbee golf course and it was uh, celebrating the winter solstice is why we gathered that particular night and we're drumming away and uh, around midnight this cop tramped through the woods and wondering if we were doing human sacrifice or something back there or what's this fire about what are you doing and I said, we are celebrating the change of the seasons from the summer, I mean, from the fall to winter. And he said, oh, okay, just uh, as long as everybody's okay, uh, just be out of here by one. But, uh, so they know we're there. And uh, I think the cops in general like the drum circle to happen because they know that there's not random people. All those people won't be out there causing trouble, but here we are playing music. And dancing, and Don't sometimes people sing. Don't mess with six, There hasn't been any complaints. Yeah. That's yeah. the other amazing thing about that spot is that, like, you know, the drums would go off. Like, there were times where those drums were talking, and, um, you know, there wasn't neighbor complaints. You know, it was nature. You were in nature. You were surrounded by nature. Yeah, it's a very unusual place. It is. It's the largest city park, I think, in the world. Um, sorry if I'm repeating myself to you, but... When I was in college at Villanova with ROTC, um, and, then, and then in the course of dropping out, I would hear about the drum circle. And probably five or six times, me and my friends all loaded up into a car and went looking for it, and we could never find it. Right. It was For years, it was just word of mouth, and there was a phone tree, basically, or people would know. And the drummers came to this realization, like, if 300 people are showing up, Maybe 50 of them are drummers. In the middle of winter, even 10 drummers would still show up and other people that weren't playing drums, but it means a lot to the community. And I have seen young folks in their 20s show up and we're drumming away and I'm standing in the back. I greet people and meet people also when I drum, but 
I've seen two or three people just about burst into tears and have an oh my god moment. Everything's going to be okay now because they found culture or they might have just come from. Oh, it happened to me at that fire. It's like, oh my god, who knew this tremendous That's thing how was I happening? Met at the, yeah. I was bawling, staring at the fire, listening to the drums. like. And here it's been going on over 25 years. Isn't that amazing? It used to be in front of, it was at Love Park. It was in front of the art museum. It's been a few different uh, public and secret spots in Fairmount Park. When it rains, our rain spot uh, was uh, up on Lemon Hill. And cops came and... Uh, wouldn't let us set up one night. Apparently, there was a somebody was doing. They were adulterating in in a car. Somebody from the Greater Philadelphia was having an affair, and uh, the husband showed up and killed them. And the cops ended up showing up, and for like a year, we couldn't even go back there any time to drum, even when it rained. That was our normal rain spot. And we went to uh, we went there because it was a huge pavilion we could stay dry under and still have a, a fire like in a Is walk or Rainbow something. Rainbow potlucks there too, right? We've had them there, yeah. And a day out of time, we've we've done at Lemon Hill. I haven't been to the current rain spot. I've only been able to go once or twice a year for the past few years because I've been living bicoastally here in Oregon and on the East Coast. Now I'm rooted here on the West Coast, and uh, I'm working through transitioning business on the East Coast and looking for an elegant way to do it. But I'm here, I love the Oregon. It's the Sasquatches, and the mermaids, and the unicorns, and nature, the moss on the trees. Nature and, is dominant in Oregon. And then my grandkids are here now, and wow. One of my dry white devil jokes is that I guess by the 1850s, when white people started to settle in here, uh, the Native Americans had had three, four hundred years, let's see, 1600 to 1700, 1700 to 18. They'd had 250 years of knowing what was coming. Yeah. The Native presence here is so much more intense and righteous and strong than the non-existent Native presence that I grew up with in yeah. the suburbs of Philadelphia. Right. The city of Philadelphia is older than the state of Oregon. The state of Oregon is like 130 years old or something like that. Wow, that's a neat fact. We've already had a bicentennial 20 years ago in Philly or something. When I landed here in 2014, I was in Turner, Oregon, right outside of Salem, on like, in a trailer, in a trailer park row of like horse people in Turner in like the backyard of like a, a gated Republican senator's mansion. Wow. And um, I was like looking across the field and I just remember thinking to myself, holy shit, like the wagon, the Oregon Trail, all that shit started in the 1850s. So like when my grandparents' parents, my great-grandparents were like getting off the boat from like France and Ireland, probably fucking Germany, American mutt of white European descent boat tripping folk when they were getting off the boats is because I'm pretty sure it was them that got off the boats the great-grandparents uh, there were council fires there was this was all indigenous land mm -hmm. it still is but mm -hmm. like it wasn't Europeanized mm -hmm. uh, 
Um, it, the Spaniards had come up through with their missions, you know. Right. 250 years before that. My father's ancestors, that side of my family, uh, came in the late 1600s, I think with William Penn. They were Quakers. And allegedly, uh, there is some land up in Bradford County, Pennsylvania, with the family name on it. But I hope, fully. It's either return to the Lenny Lenape or now it's a yes, state please. forest or something. And uh, my mom's people, I think, were Irish slaves. Her grandparents and before that. And my grandpa went into the mine, the coal mines in Pennsylvania when he was like eight or ten years old. Where at, do you know? In the Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania area. Yeah, my dad's side of the family was in Hazleton. Yeah. Whitehaven. And Mac is what everybody called him. Their last name is Mac Grody. Can so you believe that there's Grandpa a town Mac. next to Hazleton, a small town called Whitehaven? Yes, Whitehaven. What, what the fuck? There what is a town in southern Oregon called White City. You know, I have a, but a dear friend of mine, her name is, last name is White. Man, so before it's I, not, I You know, I don't know if it was a racist origins or not. Probably. What, before I left Pennsylvania. Maybe. I, but that'd be terrible, though. Before I left Pennsylvania, like, being in the town that I grew up in since I was, like, three, painting houses, one of the last things that kind of just, I was like, oh, fuck this whole scene. Like, on the edge of, I grew up in Lionville, which got absorbed by Exton. Yeah, I know where it is. Exton just grew over Lionville. Well, the, the next town next to Lionville, on the other side, like, Exton was one way, and the other way was Eagle. And I always thought that was a little like you know, PA. overly patriotic, but like beautiful, you know. Yeah, and, and right. Because like, you know, you're headed it's towards beautiful. You're headed towards Pennsylvania Dutch Mennonite. So anyway, yeah. my plumber buddy tells me, uh, "Yeah, did you hear about the um, development that they're going to be building uh, McMansions up past Eagle?" And I'm like, "No, what's it called?" And he goes, "Valhalla." And I was like, "Oh fuck." Like, we're bringing fucking Norway fucking mythology to fucking Pennsylvania. Uh, dude. Like, I think that cultures are beautiful. And they're always localized to the land that they're on. They just, that's like the root of every culture is the land. You know, every, every part of the globe has its own specific thing. Why? Because it's that land that it's on. Like, it's like where you are when the sun comes up and the sun goes down, like there's a culture in that spot. It's interesting that you and I are both a melange of several different ethnic groups. And here we are. The whitest white looking motherfuckers but now that can possibly look like whites. Us and everyone else that's in the U.S. now whose roots are here or roots came from somewhere else, now we're here. And so we're creating this new culture. Um, I, the culture that has been created by uh, people that are greedy for money and war and killing and death have no relationship with the creator. And I think that's the big difference. Every indigenous culture has a connection in their language with the creator of all things. Um, and a more ubiquitous word like creator, I find 
a lot of people grokked at, and because is it this name or that name or the other name? There's a there's so many names, but we're all talking about the creator of all things. That's where there's common ground, and I see some people that they, they don't care about that. The only thing they care about is that fancy thing they saw on TV, or what someone else had, or how do I get enough coins to get that? And they have broken a connection with their so many people and and their environment and all things that draw breath animals and plants and other people and the spirit of the creator is also in minerals especially water yeah i feel like the exposure and learning that i've gotten from indigenous cultures in the americas is that there is no division that it's all relatives all our relatives we're all relatives the rocks the trees the wind the lightning everything is relations uh and so on the flip side to your point it's like this this new society which when i start getting on a soapbox and try to fucking rally fucking radical change i start talking about european culture european invasion european this and it, when i obnoxiously do it just tell me to stop please but uh it's more like rather than acknowledging that it's all together on a global scale on a national scale on a religious scale all these battles are being fought over resources meaning minerals and plants with the argument of like how to slice it up like that in fact it isn't all one thing that it isn't all one family that, right that like it needs to be divvied up and so people need to die i uh was i've been fascinated by this like how much rent did the first nations indigenous people have to pay when they lived here none nobody in the world did how did that start and what and i realized that many most paychecks that's where the bulk of the paycheck goes is just having a safe place to live and um, I read something that uh, 1600s there there were some uh, landowners in Germany that put up fences and the people that were living harvesting in the forest or had a plot here or there or everywhere all of a sudden their this tiny voice had no power against this rich landowner so the landowner then said well if you want to come in here you got to pay me or give me a percentage of your crop and that's i don't know if it was that maybe just one model that i've heard of this is but, the Germans? I, but there may be other models where there were greedy people that said this is mine instead of this is ours They're, they also were the first on earth to print the bible the germans i don't know yeah the, what's the what's the most expensive bible in oh the world? yeah that gutenberg hmm. well it wasn't, you know, it's a German person that did that. I don't know, man. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. You know, like, every, every, I can't say every because I'm talking shit right now. Right. It's Googleable. But to my knowledge, the first translations of the native tongues, for example, Diné, the first Diné translated as in written with, like, you know, the, the Egyptian alphabet, whatever, was to German. 
Yeah, I do believe that. It was the most spoken language at the time of the revolution. In fact, the United States, by like just a couple of votes, we decided to speak English instead one, one vote instead one of vote. German. For ben Franklin, ich habe jetzt fünf Jahre Deutsch in Hochschule myself. Would you say something about Dutch? I studied German in high school for five years. Oh. But I studied Spanish to the point where 40 years ago, pretty regular, I would dream in Spanish. Mm. Now I think I have a 50, 60 percent fluency, but um, you have to practice that. I was working on a master's degree uh, counseling deaf people and I was totally fluent in American Sign Language. I have some affinity for languages and I know phrases and many, you know, maybe a dozen different languages. The bit I learned how to be like shittily conversational in Mexico, like it really mm -hmm. expanded my horizon of what words are and mm -hmm. you know, like when I joked earlier that like we make flapping, we make noises with our flapping lips, like mm -hmm. it is that. I mean, I don't know if it was Alistair Crowley or some weird occult whatever whatever pointed out that like what do we call it? We call it spelling. You know, like there are spells and there is spelling. <laughs> well, I wonder who's copying who though. Like like I think that Which language came first? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So like that spell thing, there are people that are seeking harm to others or seeking riches or seeking something like that and they think by doing this thing that has nothing to do with the creator that they get some power to influence that whereas it's like a mockery of seeing this mystery in nature and a, this uh, creation working and and love there's no love in that spell thing um, I think that's the Christian in there saying that no it's a creator I mean if Christianity is regarded as spells too then you would agree with the whole thing right no I wouldn't because of my studying of different theologies and What's really going down is not like, could we do this hokey pokey and this person has these powers and ooh, beware. Fear has zero to do with the creator. Wisdom has a lot. Uh, being aware, using discernment, those things. But fear, if a fear thing happens, that is not coming from the creator. And so you can, it becomes transparent to me now at my age, but I've been distracted by it. My chief suggested one day, we happened to speak on the phone, he called me. He told me, why don't you talk to Grandpa Fire and don't smoke tobacco, pray with tobacco and ask Grandpa Fire what you should do. Grandpa Fire reminded me that we're supposed to pray for our enemies. And they had this epiphany. Everybody that is a sociopath or is violent or whatever, what if they all became great? and friendly and honest and kind and generous and they have this complete makeover and because I know from seeing it on different levels and reading about it in different levels it's happened to many people and that can happen and it set my heart free praying and uh, things are resolving. Good.
I'm a, more and more on track. I have to, and I remember still, still praying for that. And every time I see a sociopathic person, I realize that for some reason, the creator is letting this person take breath every day. At the very least, what if they became great now and made the world a better place? And that's really what set my brain and my heart free. But also to have healthy boundaries and use discernment and uh, be loving anyway. I've said to uh, other spiritual people and some gurus and and other ministers and so many different people, wouldn't you agree with me that the highest thing of all is love? Every one of them has agreed with me. So I said, you know, it's really easy to love somebody who's famous or is generous or handsome or beautiful or who the TV tells us to love or just those near us. But the person laying in the gutter, we're supposed to love them the same amount. And that is the hard work in this lifetime. Honestly, at this point, uh, in this strange world that we're living in, in 2020, I'm so twisted up. It's a lot easier for me to love the gutter punks than it is for me to love the corporate execs because the fucking corporate execs can fucking change the world if they would stop doing it this way. And instead, they're standing on a house of lies and a fucking house of cards on a fucking pile of sand, and it's all bullshit. And I'll just stop that rant with this fucking accusation that the fucking markets being run out of Manhattan are fucking treated by our fucking corporate mass media empires. They're being treated almost like they're a natural phenomenon, the way they talk about forecasts of up or down or storms or, or passivity. They treat it like it's the weather, but it is completely constructed. And not only is it completely constructed, but it's being gamed by artificial intelligence computing, by how quick your computers are, by how much you can throw it once into it, how, how digitally you can flip-flop shit. And when you have the best and the brightest minds choosing to go into the legal system that defends that fucking piracy, or the fucking rigged-ass fucking accountancy that justifies it and all they really want in that fucking market is chaos because the swings are where the money's made and so it's like as long as people are in the game there's winners and none of it is working out for the people of this nation we have in the 50 years that that has fucking taken over our entire fucking world our entire culture it will be told by the fucking republicans by bush by trump that the market is supposed to dictate our fucking lives, the market's already a rigged game. It's it's like, if you buy in, it's over, you know? Uh, At the end of the day, uh, more than 60% of all the tax dollars our government uh, collects support the military. And I'm all about uh, defending uh, our country. And, but the, the threat to our country isn't from a ragged person or 
some homeless person walking over, or even armies of homeless, ragged people walking over. That's the most needy people. They aren't the problem, though. The problem is that, selfishly, the warmongers that have battleships to build and planes to make and war uniforms and war for profit. It's my big butler. And, uh, you know, the, the corporations that make products because our, our, we live that this way instead of more primitively and, you know, making a lot of our own herbal medicines and growing our own foods and things, but all of these other products to support this lifestyle. I don't find the manufacturers of those things as complicit in the big problem. They're, they're, I think, helping us move forward in a good way like that, but it's nice if we didn't have to go buy products occasionally. But, you know, our cl everything we have, pretty much. But I don't like to support uh, the war machine in any way. And uh, there's 900 military bases around the world that we support, and we have homeless vets in this country. I think that every veteran should have food, housing, medical for life, that they have decided that they would serve their country and, and, and protect us all. Yes. And then I think they had a rude awakening to discover their offending in other places in the world. I would even say they deserve more than that, and that should be entitled to every citizen. Just th that should just be that should be what healthcare in the U.S. is. You you have a safe place to sleep, and you have food that you need, healthy food, and that's that's your baseline. So we have this other inequality, and it's the first time I saw it as a child. I thought that ain't right, and that is our uh, politicians get uh, free medical, the best medical, right. and the best dental, and eye care, and all of that stuff. But the citizens don't. They also get a salary for life. And we have homeless people living in gutters and, and, and single parents and, and homeless people and children and, because there's not enough money. So either we all get it or we don't have a republic. And we keep using other words, but we were founded to be a republic. And we, this flag is, represents the republic to which we stand. And in a republic, all citizens have the exact same rights. Education, health care, everybody eats. Even at a rainbow gathering, everybody eats. Everybody is welcome to be someplace. When, when health care is for profit, what happens is like what happens to me where you get an ambulance trip to the emergency room and it costs $20,000. $20,000. For spending uh, three hours waiting in the emergency room, less than an hour in the middle, uh, it's like uh, you cannot sustain this sort of a system. Why? Why can't there just be acknowledgement that there are services that have to be provided? The federal government, which is supposed to protect our freedoms, should be empowering us with the shit we need. So there's changes happening. And this time, it seems like the whole world is being rebooted at the same moment with this quarantine. Some people say it's a hoax. I believe it's a real thing, what's going uh, on. I think a fucking heavy hammer drop. I, I think there's nothing good's gonna come of this planet bad. I know that the end of the story is a happy ending, though. And there yeah. is my theology. I know there's a happy ending to this. One of the coolest anarchist punk patches I've ever seen in my life says, Under the pavement, seeds await. There's a good one.
Yeah. Uh, it's going to be some dark times. And the word said it's for seven years. I don't know if this seven is a literal seven by our days or it's a metaphorical seven, but this dark stuff will happen. But I believe that it's all going to work out good for those that love the Creator. By my count, it started with fucking Nixon, so uh, it's been over seven years. Wow, that was, yeah, Nixon. It's like when I was born, dude. 74, I was born. Like right when I was fucking, in junior high. Right when Nixon was getting, the shit was hitting the fan on the fucking, the guy who started the war on drugs, the, the motherfucker, who was high on drugs, fucking ranting and raving about black people and Jews and everything under the sun, high on pills and fucking drunk. And pretending to and we're still, be a believer. We're still in the fucking repercussions of that war. We're still, there's, it's still on. Also got us off the gold standard. He's, he's the motherfucker? I yeah. thought it was in the 20s. No. The Fed. The Fed Federal Reserve came in the early 1900s, but um, but it took till Nixon to get it, take us off the. Uh, that where nothing is backing our money. No, 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 because Kennedy was trying to get us back on it, and Kennedy got shot before Nixon. When I was a kid, there was gold in Fort Knox, and they got rid of it. But I'm saying it was before Nixon. Kennedy. Yeah. Nixon wasn't before Kennedy. No. It was whoever, Roosevelt. It was fucking Roosevelt. Who was it? I think it was Roosevelt. No, when we... It was the World War II president that fucked it all up with the, with the gold standard. No, I think that, uh, you know, gold is worthless in, in itself, but the whole world has agreed that it's the most valuable, consistent thing. No, diamonds are worthless in themselves. Uh, gold, even diamonds can cut some shit. Yeah, I mean, you can do stuff with it, but... Gold is pretty big in computing. But, it, yeah, it is, but it's not... Um, it's the agreed upon value that, and it's called that. It just reminds me of a uh, Deep Space Nine saying uh, the aliens were like, diamonds rust, but latinum lasts forever. <laughs> Meaning learning the Latin language? No, it was just another material that had, wasn't gold or silver or anything, or from their perspective on history, diamonds rust. Wow. Diamonds were carbon. Diamonds and oil and coal and humate were used to be trees and plants. And it's like, how could a liquid oil also be a diamond? With heat and pressure, no air. Have you heard anything about, I was reading, like, Dust. in the past week, that there's, like, extra activity going on with, like, some um, magnetic flux going on in the center, in the core of the Earth? Have you heard anything about that? I haven't heard. I've heard the most extreme stories that are about going on in the center of the earth. And I have to say, I don't believe them. The core center of the earth is uh, pretty hot and it's liquid. And we see magma come out now and then. And there's a shifting of the plates and it creates differences in heat and pressure. But. Um, you know, sometimes when you know people, there's uh, deal breakers or red flags in the relationship. And I was learning uh, as a good man to, uh, in the relationship with this person. And one day I did not see this coming. We had known her for more than six months. And uh, she came out of a vision or she came out of a thing. She was like, twitching in her eyes. She was just sitting there in her chair and doing this stuff. And she came and I was like, yo, what's going on? Are you okay? And she said, yeah, I just went to the center of the earth to bring relief suffering to the souls that are 
living there, and uh, it concerned me a lot. I didn't really want to talk that much more about it with her that day. And uh, nature took its course, though over the next few weeks, um, we agreed not to see each other anymore. And may she rest in power. So a little bit less than a year after that, she passed. But I, I didn't realize there were people that sincerely believe that. Astral travel type stuff? No, that uh, there are beings in the center of the earth. There's a whole church about it in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. No shit, what are they called? I don't know, but the lady who died was the head person that everybody sent Juju to while she went into her trance and went there and did her Juju and they came out and then after church uh, there was like a potluck and everybody went home. You went to one of their services? I went there with my girlfriend, yeah, and uh, once and I don't know how often they get together or if it was or whatever, so, but so I like don't her, think they have like, a thing anymore, it though. It's like your woman was like, yo, you gotta check out my world, and you were like, yeah, you, you wanna come be. to church with me this yeah, Sunday? You gotta be, let's do it. And you go there and you're like, nice knowing you, sister. And I didn't, no, actually I didn't that day. It's like a week or two later, I had business and I went away for yeah. a couple of weeks. Sometimes and that happens. When I came back, she was in the hospital. Her dad was there and he said, what happened? And her dad said it must have been all that rich food that she had when she went out to dinner with those other guys. And I said, is that true? She made a sign like she was zippering her lips. And anyway, we so didn't. So they might have poisoned and themselves, she, you think? No. What are you saying? No, her dad was letting me know that she was seeing a couple other guys. That was the big message. And so I got texted a breakup the next day. But what's, what brought me a lot of uh, a smile to my face, I was driving across the country one day and someplace where they had billboards like in Wyoming or somewhere and I saw this great big billboard and it said, Coors Beer, colder than a texted breakup. <laughs> but um, there was some level of suffering on a lot of different levels and uh, there's some crazy stuff and, going on uh, in Pennsylvania religiously. Like, that's where the um, God Hates Fags church is from. Really? Did you know that? No. Dude. It's also I the center for the KKK Great. is in Pittsburgh area. I went to Malvern Prep High School. The fucking other school that was also playing soccer in the fields visible from the soccer field I was playing soccer on was the Phelps School. I never put two and two together. I never heard shit about them. I always heard about these God hate fags, fucking assholes, protesting at veterans' uh, funerals. Protesting. There's so many, so much ignorance uh, in the world, and, and we can just bring light to it. I grew up next to them, didn't even know it. Yeah, I saw them uh, illustrated in Berman's movie, uh, Vote Jesus, uh, Life and Times of uh, Ken Stevenson. So yeah, all that stuff going on in life, and so we learn about people and spirituality as we grow, and. At 64, I really feel middle-aged. And I'm your inverse at 46. So we've got a lot more to do. I also totally feel middle-aged. <laughs> we lost uh, little Richard a couple days ago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he literally is John I, Prine a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I Google searched um, little Richard because I, I remembered that he had like sex stuff going on. 
Yeah. And uh, I was like, that's not it's not a good it's not a good thing to think about. Yeah. And uh, and so I'm like, I want to like make sure that I'm like if I'm th- that that he was like had sex charges in the '80s and shit. I want to like know what what actually we know, you know, and not just a memory of some shit going down because that's media spin bullshit. I don't. Uh, why I think that one of the reasons it just worked with everything why even guys accepted him and didn't feel like here is this handsome dude on stage that like uh like he wasn't like a male uh uh he wasn't a sex symbol like uh frank sinatra and oh all the girls are swooning over them and stuff he's one of those non-binary he was one of the first ones and he was tutti frutti this was his big song and like i don't know but i love his music and everybody's dancing and nobody's no one had seen anything like it before all right it was like it was like a comet streaking in smacking in the earth yeah like, uh, i'm grateful to the little witcher yeah and uh and so he was kinky Great as hell. Of fire. he was kinky as hell and god bless him you know like whatever uh yeah so i didn't hear that as a kid i just grew up listening to his music right on, i didn't know uh, at all i just knew i just knew he was wild you know, I'm like he wears a lot of makeup. He's very flamboyant. I didn't know Liberace was gay. I grew up in the '80s. I didn't even know there was such a thing as uh, uh, homosexuality until I was a young teen. One, two, three. I work all day long. Broke down. 
Just a couple sinners paying back off. 